Um, good evening. I hope you have all enjoyed your week. I am Naledi Zondo, and I will be reading from Romans chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. So if could you could please open up. Romans chapter 1, verse 8. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, excuse me, <clears throat> but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we, may, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individual members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks for the Bible reading. Once again, uh, good evening to everyone. Uh, my name is Raphael, and I'm one of the pastors here at Christchurch Midrand. And if you are new, warm welcome to you. Um, just to reiterate what was said earlier on, we love having visitors, so please allow us to get to know you after the service. Let me pray for us as we come to this passage that was read for us from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 up to 8. Let's go ahead and pray. So, Jesus, we thank you that we can meet once again as your people. We thank you that Jesus has made us your people, a new family, where we can call each other brother and sister in Christ. And we thank you for your Holy Spirit, who is always at work in our hearts, drawing us closer to you. And Lord, as we meet again this evening, as we come to your word, we pray that, Lord, you'll soften our hearts and minds so that we'll hear from you, that, Lord, your word will find a good soul in our hearts and our minds. And as your servant, Lord, I pray that the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable to you. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So last week, uh, we looked at the first two verses of Romans 12. And if you missed that, you can still find a talk on the website. So we saw how Paul was appealing to believers in the light of the gospel that he unpacked in the first 11 chapters of Romans 12. So he was appealing to them to surrender completely to Jesus. And this surrender is a response to God's mercy or God's grace in Jesus to us. So in other words, what we saw, this surrender is a response to Jesus giving up his life for us on that cross. So when we speak of the cross, 
it becomes so familiar that we even lose the depth of what Jesus did for us on that cross. So this is the reality. I deserve to die for my sins. You deserve to die for your sins. But what happened is that Jesus, or God loving us so much, he sent Jesus on your behalf and my behalf to die on that cross. Even if I could have said I would die for myself, that would never be enough to reconcile me to God. Why? Because I'm a sinner. I can't save myself. But Jesus died on that cross, the sinless Jesus. So when you think of the cross, you see this perfect Jesus without any sin, hanging there, dying for my sins, past, present, and future, so that when I put my trust in him, I don't have to experience that death because someone has taken it upon himself, and that's Jesus. So this Jesus was sinless. He died for me to reconcile me to God the Father. And because of this, because of this reality, because of what Jesus has done for me on that cross, because of what Jesus has done for us on that cross, Paul is urging us to surrender completely to Jesus, to him. It is the right response for you and for me, to surrender to Jesus. And he said that this surrender consists of us giving our body, our entire life to him. 24-7, not just when we meet here at church. He wants us to give our life, everything that is us, he wants us to give it to him. And how he explains it, he says it means resisting the value of this world, which are in conflict with God. They are against God. But at the same time, it means allowing our minds to be renewed, to be continually transformed by the Holy Spirit. So it's saying no to the value of this world, at the same time saying yes to the renewal by the Holy Spirit. Yes and no together, not just yes or not just no, all of them together. So in summary, what does it mean? It means telling Jesus, here is my life, use it, Lord. Everything that is in me, use it. My lips help me to honor you with what I say. My eyes help me to honor you with what I see. My ears let them hear from you first before they hear about anything else. So that's what it means to surrender completely to Jesus. And now Paul continues to explain the result of the renewal of the mind, how it affects the way we think. As John Stott says, here in Romans 12, 3 to 8, we see the place of the mind in discipleship. How the mind is important, how, how we think is very important. So the believers in Rome, to whom Paul is writing, they were from different backgrounds in terms of race, culture, religion, social status. And Paul wants to teach these Christians how they are to relate to other believers, whether Jews or Gentiles, and how they are a new humanity in Christ. So they are a new humanity in Christ. How are they to relate to one another? You remember that summary that David and Reggie put for us together. 
God is gathering a new humanity, Jews and Gentiles, under King Jesus. He empowers them by his spirit to be agent of change in this broken world as they await its renewal and the renewal of their bodies. This is a great summary of the book of Romans that we are going through. God is gathering a new humanity, Jews and Gentiles, under King Jesus, empowers them by his spirit to be agent of change in this broken world as they await its renewal and the renewal of their bodies. We know there were issues in the church in Rome between Jews and Gentiles. When you read Romans chapter 2 and verse 17, or chapter 3, verse 27, you find that there were Jews who were boasting about their national heritage. They were thinking highly about themselves because they were chosen people, because they received the law. So they were thinking that we are on top there. We are God's chosen people. And when you read Romans 11, verse 18 and verse 25, you see that on the other hand, the Gentiles also were being arrogant towards their Jewish brothers. As one can see, the church in Rome was in danger. Why? Because each group was highly thinking about themselves. The level of self-esteem for each group was huge, which means the dependence on each other as Christian community was very little. So everyone was thinking that I'm on top there and other people are down there, the Jews and the Gentiles. And now we understand where our passage 12, 3 to 8 fits in. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So you can see where this passage fits in because of what was happening in Rome. Paul is warning the believers against the sin of amplified self-esteem. The sin of people thinking highly about themselves. And he appeals to his authority as an apostle. Then verse 3. For by the grace given to me, that's the language he uses as he is appealing to his authority as an apostle before he addresses this issue that is happening in the church in Rome. Two points that will help us to understand our passage. First of all, we'll look at honest self-assessment and second, members of one body in Christ. First, Honest self-assessment, second, members of one body in Christ. Let's look at the first point, honest self-assessment. Listen again to what Paul says here in verse 3. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. As a member of the body of Christ, and knowing that 
my mind is being renewed by the Holy Spirit, how am I to think about myself? Well, two ways Paul advises us to think about ourselves. One is negative, another one is positive. The negative one, he says, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. And the positive, he says, think of yourself with sober judgment. Let's look at the negative one. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to. You know, if our sinful nature, our default setting as sinners, is always to think more highly about ourselves. Especially if we have something to show, something that we can boast about. Our sinful nature, always, I want to brag, this is me, guys. We always want to show how important we are. You know, Jews were thinking highly about themselves because they were the chosen people, they received the law. You can't argue with that. It is true that they were chosen. It is true that they received the law. But was it worth the boasting part? Gentiles, on the other hand, were also arrogant because now they were included in God's plan. But the question is, was it worth for them to be arrogant? You know, recently I was chatting to a man who was telling me about his company, how his company was going through some uh, difficult time. And the issue, which seems to be very easy to solve, at the same time, it's very complex. This is what is happening. All the senior employees want to be acknowledged for what they do. Basically, all the seniors employees, they want everyone else to stop and look at them and say, you are doing great. Just that. They want to be acknowledged for what they are doing. You see, when acknowledgement becomes the only thing we live for, to the point of creating conflict with fellow workers, then you know it is not right. In our sinful nature, we always think of ourselves better than others. You know, we are legends in our own minds. <laughs> That's our sinful nature. It is so easy to see this in others somehow, but we all fall short of this. We know how friendship that will break because of too much self-esteem. People say, that's why, oh, I can't handle him. He just think of himself being on the top there. Marriages will go through difficult times or even break. Why? Because of the same reason. One of the people is just there, the other person is down there. The devil is at work. He's always at work. He knows that this is one of our weaknesses. He will use it. And we all need to repent and ask God, as he is making us a new humanity by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we surrender completely to Jesus, we need to ask God the Holy Spirit to help us not to think highly, more highly about ourselves. When I hear a voice inside me saying, Raph, you are more worth than anyone else. You deserve more. You need to be acknowledged. 
I know at that exact time that I need to be on my knees and ask God to take away that thought within me. Of course, we need to acknowledge fellow brothers and sisters. But as we do that, we thank God for the gift that he has given them and how they use it for his glory. So negatively, Paul is saying, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And positively, he says, he's advising us to think of ourselves with sober judgment. And that's the secret for unity, when we think of ourselves with sober judgment. So basically saying, instead of being legend in our own mind, as we think highly about ourselves, Paul tells us to sober thinking about ourselves, and that in accordance with the measure of faith God has given us. What is Paul saying here? Well, Paul is saying here that God has given to every believer a standard of faith by which to measure himself. And that standard is Christ. So Paul is telling believers to estimate themselves according to their relationship to Christ. And of course, if Christ is the standard of measurement, I will never think of myself more highly than I have to. Instead, I will always see myself as someone who needs Jesus. I will always see how in all aspects of my life I fall short and I need Jesus. There's no room for me to start comparing myself to others. There's no room for that. Humility will be the right response. How often do we pray for humility? How often do we ask God to break our hearts for what breaks His to grant us by the power of the Holy Spirit a humble heart that will not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. You see, humility tells me that instead of thinking highly about myself, I must honor my fellow believer as more important than myself. And that's something the Holy Spirit works within me. Think of what kind of community we will be if we all ask God to help us to honor others more than we honor ourselves. That will be revolutionary. So first point, honest self-assessment. In that one positive, one negative. Second, members of one body in Christ. Verse 4, read with me. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts 
in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does act of mercy with cheerfulness. So last week we saw that your body matters. You worship God with your body. Our passage this evening, again, Paul is is using a wonderful illustration of the human body. So the human body has got many members, or many parts, that's obvious. You just have to look at yourself. Eyes to see, ears to listen, or to hear, mouth to speak, and for some to eat, nose to smell, heads to think, hands to touch, and do manual works, legs to walk, and the list carries on. So we, we have many parts in our body, and they do different things. As one can see, all these members are different from each other. Eyes are different from ears. Stomach is different from tongue. And they have different functions. But are all part of the same body, and they need each other to form the body. So imagine if my ears were to say they want to be eyes as well, so that they can also see the beauty of creation. Just think about it. Then my head will be a disaster. (laughs) Why? I will have two pairs of eyes, and I will not be able to hear. What if all the members of the body decided to be eyes? Think, Think about it. If all the members, all the parts of your body decide to be eyes, how will you look like? Well, eyes here, 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 everywhere. For the body to function properly, we have to have different parts, and each member, each part must fulfill its role. That's how God designed it. And Paul uses this imagery of the human body to refer to the church as the body of Christ. What are the characteristics of this body of Christ? What are the characteristics of this unity that we are as a body of Christ? Three of them that we look at. First of all, there's unity. The body of Christ is unified. Second, there's diversity. The body of Christ is made of many different but with different functions. And thirdly, we'll see interdependence. We need each other as members of the body of Christ. So unity, diversity, interdependence. Let's quickly look at these three and see what we can learn from them. First of all, unity. Verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. So when we read these these two verses, we see how Paul emphasizes the fact that believers are members of one body. All those who have come to trust in Jesus for their salvation, all those who have put their trust in him as the one who died for them, are part of his body. Though we are many, we are one body in Christ. Have you ever thought why there's unity of Christians everywhere you go? 
Well, it's because we are one body. So we have heard of many people relocating, and once they are on exile, I mean, once they are where they are, they find a good church, and directly they feel at home. Same here, we've heard of many people, they come here, they start worshipping with us, and they say, well, I feel at home. Why do you think that happens? How do you think that happens? Well, there's unity, we are all unified, we are part of one body. This unity is mysterious, but it is real. Sometimes you don't know how to explain it, but we are one body, body of Christ. It's a type of unity one does not find anywhere else. This unity makes us a real family. You feel like you belong. Why? Because of the one who is the head, and that's Christ. And when you use the language of our DNA, in Christ we are a redeemed family. We are a family. We are the body of Christ. Because of what Christ has done for us, he has brought us together We are united. We are one body. Second, there's diversity. Second part of verse 4 up to the first part of verse 5. And the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ. Just like the human body is made of different parts, and each part with its function, so is the body of Christ. The church, which is the body of Christ, is made of different people from different backgrounds with different gifts that God has given us. Just look at the beauty of us sitting here this evening. Different people, different backgrounds, different gifts. It is amazing when you look at it, what God has been doing how diverse we are, yet we are one in Christ. So remember the example from Paul's illustration I used earlier. If all the parts of the body wants to be an eye, what kind of body will this be? If everyone here this evening, let's say, was Chifiwa, or if everyone here was David, or if everyone was Redden, a room full of Chipiwa, a room full of David, a room full of Redden, a room full of Kate. Imagine. So what kind of evening we'll be having here? I can think of two things. First of all, um, we'll know that the standard will have dropped significantly. And secondly, I know that it will be very boring. Um, You see, that's why God has made us different. We need diversity. We need Heather to be there. Uh, We need Mount Sylvia to be there. We need the Shones to be here. We need Prince. We need all of us diverse. That's how God has designed his body to be. Remember this. You are unique in the way God made you, and he wants you to be you. And as I'm being me in Christ, I must also allow you to be you in Christ. That's how God designed his body to be. Lastly, interdependence, uh, 5 and 6a. 
So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. So we belong together and we need each other. We belong together, we need each other. We can't all be eyes. We need each part to fulfill his role for the body to function properly. Just think when you have a headache, how that affects your whole body. You can't function. You might say, you don't need anyone. I'm fine. All I just want is to go to church, sit quietly, and when the service ends, I just leave and go. I don't want problems with people. I know the minute I start mingling, that's when problems start. Yes, you can do that. But remember that the other members of the family are using their gift. That is why when you entered here, you were welcomed by the service leader. That's why you sang with the music team. You prayed with the person who was leading the prayer. You sat on a chair that was well prepared, well set for you. And all these tasks were done by people who are using their gift. Or then you can tell me, well, if that's the case, then I can just as well stay home, listen to the sermon during the week. Well, the sermon does not prepare itself. And it does not put itself online. Someone also uses their gift to do that. What's the point of all this? Well, use the gift God has given you. Something in the body is missing because you are not using your gift. And the gift Paul lists here at the end of verse 6 up to the end of our passage, verse 8, This list is not supposed to be exhaustive. In fact, the point of this passage is not about the nature of the gift. And that's why I'm not even spending time looking at these different gifts. If you want to learn more about this gift, prophecy and everything, just come, we can chat. We can chat to David or Redon or Kate, anyone. We can talk through this. But the point here is not about the nature of the gift. The point here is about how we depend on each other as the body of Christ and our responsibility towards each other. How we are interdependent as a body of Christ. How we are to use our gift in the body of Christ. Remember, it's about you and me using the gifts that God has given us. And this is the truth. God has given to every believer a gift in his body. Every Christian has a gift that he can use in the body. Well, the church does not give you the gift. I wish the church could, but the church does not. God is the one who gives you the gift by his grace. And this gift is his that is giving you. Are you using it for his glory?
Well, you might, you might say to yourself, you know, I'm not like David, I can't stand in front. Well, there are many gifts, there are many things that you can do. Have you tried? Have you asked? How, how can I serve? Just to start by that. Or on the other hand, you can say, you know, I've got plenty of gifts. If only people could see, well, you haven't come, we haven't seen it. So, come. We need to see your gifts. You need to use it for the body. It's not for yourself, it's for others. Each member of the body must use its gift, and we totally depend on each other. That's how God has designed his body through Jesus Christ. This gift, God gives it to us by his grace. They are his. They are not yours. And we must use them for his glory. Let's pray. Thank you, God, that we are your body because we've come to put our trust in Jesus. Jesus found us where we were and he redeemed us. And Lord, we pray that as members of your body, uh, you will help us to really be thankful for what you've done to us, bringing us together, and be thankful with the gift that you've entrusted each one of us, Lord. And we pray that you help us to use it for your glory. We understand that we are interdependent, we depend on each other, um, we are diverse, but at the same time we are united. So, Lord, we thank you for what you are doing in our lives. We thank you for what King Jesus is doing, creating a new humanity, that he is the head. And, Lord, we pray that you really help us to embrace this reality, that we are your body, that together we need to love each other. We need to serve one another. We need to edify one another. We need to use all the gifts that you have entrusted us so that your body can stand. Of course, you are the one who is at work. You are the one who is renewing our minds. And Lord, we really pray that you really help us to have a mind that is renewed. Not to think highly about ourselves. Not to be legend in our own mind but to be thankful to you who does everything in us. And humility will be the right response to all of us so that, Lord, we'll acknowledge all that you've been doing and all that you continue to do in our lives. And, Lord, as we depart this uh, from this place and start a new week, give us humble hearts, humble hearts that will acknowledge who you are, that will live for you, that will stand for you, that will witness for you, wherever we find ourselves. We thank you, Lord, and we commit all this to you. In Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen.